We're gonna make it look fly with some DIY. We're gonna make it look fly with some DIY. We're gonna make it look fly with some DIY. Uh oh, thrift diving. What's up? It's Serena Pia from thriftdiving.com, which is a do-it-yourself blog, YouTube channel, and podcast that helps you decorate, improve, and maintain your home with paint, power tools, and thrift stores without sacrificing your budget, the environment, or style. Welcome to episode 137 of the Thrift Diving Podcast. And I have to apologize to you. It has been a couple of weeks since I have recorded a podcast. And the reason why is because, as I told you in a recent episode, I am doing an epic bathroom makeover with a friend of mine, and it's been pulling a lot of my time and attention in a good way, in a good way. It's one of those projects that has completely fulfilled me, but also drained me, and I can't wait to tell you in an upcoming episode, probably tomorrow, (laughs) um, because I am behind an episode, so I will share with you an update on where that project is going, and keep in mind that I'm actually going to have my friend on the podcast, once we are done the bathroom, we are going to talk about the entire process. Now, the video for this, the before and after makeover, is not going to be available for probably another month. Because remember, I'm using a videographer for this, right? This is the first time I've ever worked with a videographer. It's been an amazing experience just being able to focus on the creative process and not the technical process. And so he's going to be doing all of the editing. And even when we're done the bathroom, there's a whole bunch of work that still has to get done. And that is something that I wasn't really even anticipating because I'm thinking, oh, when the project's done, it's done. No, I need to still make sure that I have a script so that he's got something to work from so that he knows what to do with all of this footage. Because if he doesn't have my direction, you know, as the producer, he doesn't know what goes first, second, third. So yeah, this project is still in the works. (laughs) But for today's episode, we're going to talk about a topic that I hadn't really talked, well, I talked about it a little bit, about my volunteering with Habitat for Humanity. And the reason why I'm thinking about this is because, you know, the start of the new year is always an opportunity for you to make resolutions and to think about how do you want to spend your time for the new year? You know, do you want to be involved in different activities? Do you want to be involved in politics? Do you want to be involved in, you know, doing sports with your kids? Do you want to, I mean, there's just a bunch of different activities that you can spend your time, right? It's I, I consider it all to be projects. And so for me, one of my projects that I started three years ago is actually volunteering with Habitat for Humanity. And you've heard me talk about them. I love their mission. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, but I'm going to do something a little different. I'm actually going to read you the blog post that I wrote, the recent blog post that I wrote on my blog. This is a blog post that some of you listening, you've already read it. So if you have, you know, maybe you want to skip to the next episode because it's going to be a repeat. But the New York Times does something that's pretty cool. They actually take one of their articles and they read it on Sundays. <laughs> now, I'm not going to start that for this podcast, but I, I thought it was just such a poignant post that I wanted to read it to you. I didn't want to go through and just try to make it sound as eloquent as the writing does. So that's what I'm going to do for you today. So sit back, relax, or maybe you're out for a walk. Maybe walk a little faster, walk a little slower, whatever you want to do, but have a listen because this blog post that I just published on my blog, and you'll find the link down below, it's called Volunteering with Habitat for Humanity. Actually, no, that's 
That's the URL if you want to look it up. But the blog post is called From Scarcity to Service, My Journey of Giving Back with Habitat for Humanity. Are you ready? All right, let's jump into it right now. When I was in my early 20s, I fantasized about the idea of volunteering for the Peace Corps. There was something tantalizing about traveling abroad to an area I've never been, to a culture I didn't know, to a landscape that was foreign until it was familiar, with people that were unlike me until we saw our similarities, for an experience that I would never get anywhere else, helping to support a cause that was bigger than me, but that my involvement would make a difference. I wondered if I had the guts to participate, especially since I had never even left the country. I'd barely even visited any other states outside of my tri-state area. Volunteering wasn't even at the top of my activities I enjoy doing list. Growing up to a single mom whose main concern was figuring out how to keep food on the table for her two daughters, spending time working for free wasn't a a luxury that I was able to witness. In fact, it seemed like such a far-fetched idea that although I had fantasies about joining the Peace Corps after graduating with my bachelor's in psychology, it didn't seem like something that would be a great idea for the simple fact that I was just emerging into the world, expected to begin earning money, building a real adult life, gallivanting off to a so-called third world country to spend months, possibly years of my life, earning very little money seemed more like a pipe dream. And I'll admit that it wasn't purely for altruistic motives. Yes, helping others in another country sounds rewarding, but even more alluring was the idea of traveling, having new experiences, meeting new people, but yes, while involved in a common good cause. I stopped mulling the idea over when I read commentary from other Peace Corps volunteers stripping away the adventurous misconceptions, detailing their often boring downtime and other negative aspects from traveling abroad to unknown areas without modern conveniences. Was this a challenge I was willing to accept, the benefits as well as the risks? I tabled the idea and soon fell into the nine-to-five grind that many of my other recent graduates had grown accustomed to. I never thought about joining the Peace Corps again, and the word volunteer became just as I had known it to be when I was younger— something that you just didn't do when earning an income, and paying for adulting was just too expensive. I continued to work a variety of jobs, from being a research assistant at the National Institutes of Health to an activities coordinator at the Naval Medical Center, to working with soldiers with traumatic brain injury, to a project manager as a government contractor. All the while, I began to take my love of journaling and creating online coupled with my love of paint and thrift stores to turn my ugly 1970s house into a home on a budget. Thus, Thrift Diving was born in 2012, including my YouTube channel. I loved do-it-yourself projects, from painting furniture from the thrift store to later learning how to use tools and more. I continued to do these projects after hours while working nine to five outside of the home, raising three sons and being a wife, It was a lot to juggle and sleep was elusive. It was in 2015 that I was fired from my day job and I decided to take thrift diving full time, growing it into a successful, rewarding, supportive career. But over all those years, not once did I consider revisiting the idea of volunteering. For me, it was all about making money to support my family. However, it wasn't until 2018 or 2019 that the word volunteer had been thrown at me and created a spark so intense that I had to explore it. 
I was in my first year of carpentry classes at my local community college at the ripe age of 41, among a classroom full of boys young enough to be my sons. I had gone back to school to learn more about construction, framing, and to become more formally trained. One fellow named Willie, of even more advanced age, who was taking classes to nature his love of construction and learning how to do projects in his own house, said to me one day, Serena, you should consider volunteering with Habitat for Humanity. Do you ever have those moments when you hear something that makes your entire gut scream, yes? Well, this was that moment for me. His suggestion resounded so loudly in me because I loved the idea of working on a job site, building homes, getting my hands dirty, and learning more about construction in a safe, supportive environment. I didn't know much about Habitat and their mission, but I knew that it would afford me the ability to apply what I was learning in the classroom to the outside world. Again, maybe not completely altruistic because I had something to gain, but I knew that it was the right decision and that I must follow through to at least get some information about it. Well, not only did I get information, but I showed up to do the required volunteering training session prior to being assigned to the job site. Then I walked onto the job site to open studs of a home under construction with construction managers there to guide me into the volunteer tasks that I'd be responsible for that day. In fact, we were putting up OSB, which is orientated strand board, onto the framing of a house, which would be the future home of a low-income family. The temps were soaring that day. I believe it was July. I think it was July. Myself and other volunteers sweated through our clothes as we climbed on ladders, held large sheets of sheathing to the studs, trying to keep everything lined up properly, screwing them into place. Some volunteers felt on the verge of heat stroke and needed to set out for a bit. Even with the scorching temperatures, I felt giddy from excitement. This is what I had been wanting, working on a team with a common goal, surrounded with new faces and new stories of how we all converged to this one place on this one particular date to build a home for a family we didn't know, for a company in which we weren't employed, for a paycheck that was beyond monetary. I walked away that day feeling like I had just embarked on an adventure. I felt full, satisfied, part of a community. I felt more knowledgeable. I was entrenched in a job site, a place I had come to adore, learning about all of its systems and how all the parts fit together to build a real house that would someday become someone's oasis, their forever home. Because of my experience with building and construction, both due to thrift diving and my carpentry training, Habitat immediately asked me to become one of their crew leaders. As a crew leader, I'm able to help lead other volunteers that walk onto the job site, sometimes those who have absolutely no construction or tools experience at all. It's an honor that they wanted me to be a part of filling that role. And even greater, I began to learn about the actual program behind Habitat for Humanity and how they supply low-income, first-time homebuyers with the opportunity to purchase a safe, beautiful home at 0% interest. These are families that are often in dangerous or cramped living conditions. Imagine a family of six living in a two-bedroom. Scenarios like that aren't uncommon for families that apply to purchase a Habitat for Humanity home. What was even more amazing is to learn that the families that purchase a Habitat home are required to put in 
something they call sweat equity hours towards their home, which means they actively have to either come onto the job site and help work on their home, or if they're not physically able to help, volunteer at a Habitat Restore. And it doesn't stop there. These families are also given opportunities to learn education, homeowner education, so that they're not only making a better financial decision after they move into their homes, but they also receive home maintenance education so that once they move in, they know how to care for and maintain their own home. And let me tell you how monumental that really is. Because when we moved into our 1973 home back in 2010, I was terrified. What if something breaks? How do we fix it? How will I know if we're being taken for a ride by unscrupulous contractors? What home maintenance is most important? What do we do and when? How do we do it? I walked around for two months with a ball of anxiety in the pit of my stomach after we bought our house, fearful that something was going to go wrong, something was going to blow up. Oh, and we had our share of mishaps for sure. We also got swindled out of at least $1,000 within the first few months because I bought into products that I thought would resolve our musty basement. By the way, it wasn't until years later that I had the skills and the guts to even tackle removing the mold that was grown in our basement where water was coming in. And you can find a link down below for that blog post if you want to see me remove that mold. Buying a home was scary. Decorating a home was scary and expensive. And these are reasons that I started Thrift Diving in 2012 to share with you the things that I learned about decorating, improving, and maintaining my home myself. And how to become comfortable dealing with your home so as not to get taken for a ride by contractors. So knowing that Habitat for Humanity supports these new homeowners on all the multitudes of homeownership, I was sold as a supporter of their mission since it aligned so well with my own mission here at Thrift Diving. So it's been about four years or so that I've been volunteering with Habitat. It's been my goal to volunteer as a crew leader on the job site eh, once a month. But when life gets busy, when life gets in the way, that time gets severely limited. What's been great is that they've had other events come up in which I've been able to participate. So for example, back in the fall, Habitat invited me to participate in their fall festival, where they allowed me to set up a booth in front of their local restore and other members of the community with businesses aligned to Habitat's goals and vision were also invited, including an eco paint company and many more. And I decided to take an old piece of thrifted furniture to paint and paint it there on site, answering any questions from store patrons about how to paint furniture. So this desk, and you can find the link for the blog post with all the pictures down in the show notes, but this desk had been sitting in my garage for a solid two years or more, and I had bought it originally to use for a painting class, but I just never got around to doing that class. But this was such a perfect piece, and not to mention, my garage was one piece lighter. I was so happy to get rid of this thing. So the goal was to get it done within the allotted time of the festival, which was just a few hours, and then donate it at the end of the day so that the restore could sell it and pocket the proceeds, right? Win-win. They get their money, their donation, and I get to get rid of this piece of furniture, right? This big hole of a you know, space in my garage that didn't have this piece of furniture. I was, I was super excited. Now, if you've ever painted furniture, you know that it takes time right? You've got to clean it, remove the handles, make any repairs with wood filler, let that wood filler dry, sand down the wood filler, 
add two coats, paint or replace the handles, and for the most part, you're done. Not to mention, you have to allow it to dry in between coats. Now, I knew that I had enough hours to get the desk done, but what I didn't anticipate was all the time that I'd spend talking to people walking by. People that had interesting stories about their own DIY projects, people that wanted to paint their kitchen cabinets, but they weren't sure what kind of paint to use, so I was answering their questions, and people like a firefighter who was there with his fellow firefighters. He had never painted furniture in his life, but I said, do you want to give it a try? And he was willing to try it for the first time, and you can see a picture of him (laughs) on the blog post, and that was just, that was like one of the highlights of the day, and it sparked interesting conversations. For example, I was asking the group of firefighters what it was like being a firefighter and what advice they would give to homeowners about the importance of fire safety, right? Did they have any tips or things that they could just tell me that I could pass on? And you know what they said? They said one of the most important things that people don't realize is that when you keep your bedroom doors closed, from their experience, they have found that rooms with doors open get demolished by smoke and fire whereas rooms that have doors closed suffer less damage and it gives people time to get, you know, to safety or to have the firefighters get to you to save your life. And so I thought that was really interesting. And I've seen experiments where this was done, but having them tell me, hey, this is probably one of the most important things homeowners need to know. I'm telling you, (laughs) make sure you sleep with your bedroom door closed. And I think probably most people do. But there's a huge, significant difference between having your door closed versus having it open. Anyway, it was fascinating listening to new, interesting people who stopped by my booth, and it made me happy. So as the day was winding down, I rushed to get the desk completed so that I could leave it at Habitat for donation. I was using Beyond Paint. If you've seen my blog post, if you've seen other projects I've done on my, on my blog, I was using their Nantucket color which is my favorite. It's this soft blue gray. And I've used it for my china cabinet and you know other projects around the home. And I knew that it would be a winner for this desk since it's the color that you guys love too. And so I got to work working on this and I had minutes to spare before everyone packed up for the day. But I was able to knock it out with the second coat, including spray painting the existing hardware gold. And I didn't think that I was gonna make it in time but I couldn't donate a mostly finished piece of furniture. So I had to rush to get this done. And I was not lugging that baby home to finish it at home and then bring it all the way back. That was just not going to (laughs) happen. I was leaving that desk there. And, and I did finish it and I left it there with them. And it felt like such a, an accomplishment. (laughs) Anyway, I left that day feeling so fulfilled. It made me take notice that I really really enjoy connecting with people and talking about DIY, answering their questions, and learning about how they got started in DIY and telling them how I got started, or even just answering questions from them about how they can affordably do a project in their home and save hundreds or thousands of dollars. And I decided that day I would get involved more often in community events that would allow me to share my love of DIY and to do more volunteer work for Habitat. And here's what's really cool. I even had spoken to the woman who organized the fall festival about helping them do some furniture painting classes for some of their Habitat homeowners so that I could help them learn how to decorate these new homes that they're buying 
on a budget and using furniture that they're finding at the restore. So how exciting is that, right? Pretty cool. So a couple weeks later, I got some exciting news. The woman that or, that organized the entire fall festival, she sent me a picture in my Instagram DMs informing me that that pretty little desk that I had painted and donated to them was being sold and carted away as she messaged me. <laughs> and I was so eager to find out how much they were able to sell it for. And she told me that they sold it for a whopping $175. So I was really excited about that. And last year, I did a podcast with Jeff D. He's the president and the CEO of my local Habitat Metro Maryland chapter of Habitat. And I learned that in 2022, this local Habitat had raised over $400,000 combined between the two local area restores, which helps them to actually fund their home builds for the year. So just knowing that my afternoon of fun, painting and educating and connecting with people while I painted that desk, added $175 into their pot of money to fuel this project or some future project of theirs, it just felt like a gigantic win. You know, one thing I've learned the older I get is that the things that speak to your heart today are the things that were there yesterday and the day before and the day before, as far back as childhood. They're a part of who you were meant to be, even if you weren't listening, even if you didn't act on them, the clues and the nudges were there. And I'm sure for you, they are as well. And those callings, those purposes will continue to nudge and the universe will continue to conspire to make them come true. Sometimes there are things you're actively pursuing. Sometimes there are things you have long forgotten that were desires inside of you. And sometimes there are things that are working against you for one reason or another, causing you to lose sight of your purpose. But I'm going to invite you to stop for a moment and think about what those desires and purposes are for you. What are the things that you wanted to do when you were a kid? What were the things that brought you joy? Now, for me, volunteering, again, was something that I had wanted to do. But because life got in the way, I just didn't, I didn't pursue it. But when I found out from Willie (laughs) that I could volunteer for Habitat, my whole gut said yes. And for me, volunteering, connecting, teaching, inspiring, building, creating, and writing, these are all the things that were inside of me from the very beginning. And I'm so glad that I decided to listen. All right, that's what I have for you this week for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed this blog post. I know it's a little different than the other episodes, but hey, if the New York Times can have Sunday reads, so can thrift diving. All right, I want to hear from you. What are the things that you have experienced in your life that were little nudges that told you, hey, maybe you should move in this direction? I want to hear from you. Send me an email, serena at thriftdiving.com, or you can hit me up on Instagram at thriftdiving. And I want to hear from you. Are there little nudges that you haven't been listening to? Or are you a volunteer? Do you spend your time volunteering with organizations that speak to you that are fulfilling, that make you feel really good about yourself? I want to hear from you. All right, that's what I got for you this week. I'm going to be dropping another episode this week about this project that I'm working on for my friend's bathroom. So if you are interested, come back this week because I'm going to have another episode for you. You're not going to have to wait till next week. 
<laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. And I will talk to you next episode. Find it ugly, make it pretty. Mm-hmm. Paint the power tools, alright. Saving money with those.